Good morning, Radiate Church. Man, I'm so glad you're with us today as we are in week four of lies we've been told. The four, we've talked about four misconceptions of God during this series. It's been a great time. I am ecstatic uh, that you have chosen to be with us today uh, at and our, on our online experience. Uh, man, we've had a lot of fun with this thing, and I know you know, COVID-19, things are starting to open back up and things like that. I just want to stay off the beginning. I promise you, we're working as hard as we can to get back together physically with you. And we're working with the school district and we're working with so many others so that we can make sure that we get an opportunity to come back together and worship together uh, physically as soon as absolutely possible. As soon as we know anything there, we will let you know that and uh, keep moving. But until then, we're just going to keep having an amazing online experience. Thank you for worshiping with us uh, during worship. Thank you for praying with us, engaging in life groups, serving, giving. Man, you guys have proven that the church is not defined by a facility, but a, a facility facilitates what God's doing in the church. And so, man, we've continued to be the church. We've continued to gather together. Your energy has been amazing. I'm so glad that you guys are a part of this thing with us. All right, guys, today I want to start with a really personal story. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. Some of you have heard details of the story, but I don't know that I've ever told some of the emotions and thoughts that I've dealt with on this, and I think it's gonna help you today. So I'll never forget the day in July of 2006. I went into the doctor after some symptoms had taken place. They ran some tests, they looked at some AK, EKGs, looked at some heart rate monitors and decided that I had a heart problem, that I needed to go to the doctor. I needed to go to the hospital and spend some time getting some tests done. So that afternoon, that evening, I go to the hospital. I spend a night, spend a night or two there and it's test after test, heart monitor after heart monitor for the next several re weeks with doctors. And then at the end of that, at 23 years old, they look at me and they say these words. They say, you gotta have a surgery on your heart. I don't know if you've ever been told that or know somebody that has, but that's a really difficult thing to hear, right? It's not something you want to hear, especially at 23 when you're playing basketball, football, soccer, all these other kind of things. But here's the truth, right? So you go through that and they tell me, they're like, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's going to be a short surgery. It's going to be an easy surgery. We're going to get through this. You're going to be fine, right? Go through the surgery. It's supposed to be about two hours. It ends up being about six hour surgery. Come out of the surgery and I find out a few things. Number one, I find out they had to shock me, shock me, shock my heart right in the middle of the surgery. It's crazy. At 23 years old, my heart had to be shocked during surgery. Number two thing that I found out is they didn't actually fix it. It was worse than they thought it was. They said, we can't fix it here, but we know the guy that can, and we're going to send you there. And next week, you're going to have another surgery with him, and he's going to be able to doctor you up and get you taken care of. Guys, I'm going to be real honest. At 23 years old, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. I'd already left ministry walked away from things, didn't want to be a part of that whole life anymore. I was scared. I was scared. I was confused. I was perfectly fine and healthy up until this moment. What changed in the middle of the night? So in the hospital room, I remember praying this prayer. I said, God, I really don't want to go to hell. Hell terrifies me. I don't want to go to hell, but I will not go back into ministry. I'll give you my life. I'll live for you. But don't ever ask me to go into ministry. Don't ever ask me to do things like that. I do not want to go back into that, that world, into that realm. Let me live my life the way I want to live my life, but I'll live for you too. 
So a week later, I go into surgery with a new doctor. He's like, hey, a couple of hours, we're gonna have you taken care of. I've been looking at your charts, your pictures, your tests, all these things. All this stuff's taken care of. I know what we're doing, we're gonna get you. Great, thanks doc, we got you. Six and a half hours later, I come out of surgery with one of the most renowned doctors in South Carolina. Guy that knew he was gonna be able to take care of it six and a half hours later, and here's his words to me. They actually had to use a, an external thing in that surgery to keep my heart beating in the way that they needed it beating. It's crazy. An external monitor was sending pulses to my heart to keep it beating because my heart wasn't acting right, right in the surgery. And he looks at me and he says these words, I think we got it. I think we got it, but I wanna keep you overnight just in case. 90% of the time I send my patients home, I just really feel like I need to keep you overnight tonight just to watch and make sure everything's good. Later that night, I'm laying in a hospital room. My heart rate drops from a resting rate of say 70 to about 30. It feels like you and your family are all jumping up and down on my chest. I'm laying in a hospital room, can't breathe. Guys, my heart rate had dropped so fast, I began to get sick. I was getting sick off of this side of the bed while the nurses came running in. It was like a, it was like a movie. Nurses came busting through the door, alarms were going off, and they just began immediately pumping my arm full of fluids, trying to raise my heart rate back up, giving me medicine to make my heart rate go faster. I'm getting sick off this side of the bed. I'm getting medicine in this arm, and I remember looking up, and my dad is standing there. I told my mom to go home that night. My dad's standing there, he's crying, I'm crying, and I just remember saying, Dad, let the pain stop or just let it end. Let the pain stop or just let me end. Let this whole thing be over. Doctor comes in, nurses come in, and I spend the rest of the night, and I think the next day, to be honest, I was kind of in a fog, in ICU. Spent that time in ICU, the doctor comes in that next morning, he looks at me, he says, all right, you got an option. He said, after looking at everything, seeing everything, this is what took place and you need a pacemaker. Guys, I'm 23 years old. I'm healthy. I got my whole life ahead of me. I'm not even mid-20s yet. I'm still early 20s. And I need a pacemaker? I need a computer chip to make my heart beat right? He says, you need a pacemaker. You don't have to get one, but your quality of life won't be there and you probably aren't going to make it. Well, obviously, there really wasn't an option there, there really wasn't a decision to make. Of course, I'm gonna get the pacemaker. I'm gonna take the pacemaker. And over the next several years, I went through an adjustment to where the pacemaker had to be changed, settings had to be shifted. I had to get over understanding that there were certain limitations to my life now. Guys, that was 14 years ago. And for 14 years, I've gone through surgeries. I've gone through pacemaker changes. I've gone through battery changes. I've gone through ribs having to be removed because an artery is being pinched between the rib and the pacemaker. Guys, there's times where in my life I feel like, even at 36 years old, I feel like, almost 37, to where I feel like I just don't know even what it feels like to be healthy sometimes. See, this is what went on in my head during those moments. I had these questions, and it's questions that maybe you've asked because of some things that's happened in your life. God, why? are you allowing this to happen to me? God, I've been a good person. Sure, I'm not in ministry anymore. God, I walked away from the faith, but I'm not robbing, killing, cheating, stealing. I'm not doing all that stuff. I'm not earning an honest living. I'm getting drinking too much. Maybe doing some things that I probably, maybe thinking some things I shouldn't be thinking, doing a few things that maybe I shouldn't be doing, but I'm not breaking laws crazy. I'm not 
you know, like, God, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Why is this bad stuff happening to me? I gave you, I, I took, I, I gave you my life at 16. I walked into ministry at 18. I'm 23 now, and, and now all of a sudden I've got this bad stuff. God, why, if you can do something, if you're so big and you're so powerful, why aren't you doing something? And really, I was asking the question that a lot of us ask. This is the age-old question that pastors get asked all the time, believers get asked all the time. It's this, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? And I just want to tell you today that I can talk about what I've learned through these situations in the past 13, 14, 15 years of my life of dealing with something to where I've had to deal with this. I would be lying to you if I told you that the only time I dealt with that was when I was 23 getting a pacemaker installed. Guys, there's times right now I still have times where I'm like, God, why in the world do I have to have another surgery? God, why in the world am I so tired today? God, why in the world when I go to sleep at night am I actually not sleeping because my heart rate's so elevated? And so I wake up for days exhausted. God, I don't understand this. Why is this stuff still happening to me? I'm faithful. I try. And here's what I want to tell you right off the bat today. Today, I'm not going to be able to answer all of your questions with this. So don't even come in with the expectation that you're going to walk away and it's all going to make sense and everything's going to be perfectly uh, understandable and you're going to be like, oh, Pastor Brandon gave me the right answer. But I want to give you some things to think about. I think I'll be able to give you some lessons on the other side of this because truthfully, unfortunately, I can't answer the question of why the person you know is dealing with cancer. I can't answer the question why my mom had to beat cancer. I can't answer the question why my mother-in-law had to beat cancer. I can't answer the question why your friend lost their child. I can't answer any of that stuff, but I can give you two truths that I know with a hundred percent fact that are absolutely accurate in the midst of times like that. Number one, I want you to understand this. The first truth in the midst of difficulty is we have to know there's always a plan in the pain. See, when I was 23 years old, I didn't get that. I didn't even care about that answer. In fact, people would tell me that and I would literally in my mind look at them and go, shut up, I don't want to hear that again. That just sounds like a Christian cop-out for a way for me to just turn my faith back to God. And right now, I don't want to talk to God. I was mad frustrated. But the longer I live, the longer I lean into this, I have to understand that there's always a purpose. There's always a plan in the pain. First Peter chapter 1 says that we endure and rejoice in trials. And here's why I get this. This is my version. This is my wording for it. But here's why. Because it makes our faith more valuable and more sturdy. In other words, it's the trial that brings our faith from this abstract meaning of different things that we go, all right, this is my faith, going to church and praying and worshiping. It brings our faith from these abstract things that are all laid out on the table to this one conglomerate thing that is this one unit called my belief system and my faith and my stronghold is in God. See, the truth is, is there's always a plan in the pain. Now, I want you to know, I understand some people are going to go, yeah, that sounds like a cop-out. I promise you talking from somebody that has lived it and lives it today. I'm not just somebody that went through it 15, 14, 13, 12, 10 years ago. I'm somebody that went through it and is going through it continually. In fact, 
this past week I had another heart doctor's appointment to check up on some things. Do you know why? Because I continue to live with the reality that there is something that has happened in my life that is not what I would have planned. In other words, it's not good to me. But I serve a God that's good. I serve a God that always lets me know there's a plan in the pain. I, it is growing my faith. Can I be real honest with you today? If I had never gone through that, I don't know if I'd be pastoring today. If I had never gone through that, I really don't know if, I, if Radiate Church would exist. I don't know because those were the moments, the plan in that pain. I don't know the great example. I don't know the great picture of what the plan is. But here's what I do know. I've learned some things that have changed my life. I gave my life after that my heart rate dropped like it did. I remember laying in an ICU room in a bed by myself and I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, I give you my life. I don't want to go to hell and I'll do anything you ask me to do no matter what. I surrendered my life and I've never walked away from it. I've had thoughts, I've had questions, but I've never walked away from it. Why? Because I gave him my life because here's what I know. My, God's sovereignty is not determined by my understanding. When things don't go as planned, when they're difficult, when it's hurtful, when it's frustrating, when good thing, or bad things happen to good people, I have to know he's got a plan in the pain. I, I'm reminded of this truth that I learned not long after that. I read a book called Leadership Pain by Dr. Sam Chan. And I learned this truth. It's a leadership truth, but I think it's a, it's a life truth that it, I wish I could just teach everybody. Pain equals progress. Pain equals progress. Here's why. Because progress is change in, an, in, a, in a moment, change in an environment, change in a situation. Change is always painful because we get hooked on where we are and when we have to change it creates pain because we have to leave something behind. If I'm not ever willing to grow my pain tolerance, I'll never increase my level in my life. I'll stay where I'm at because I get so comfortable that I'm just like, oh, it's like a comfy couch, right? A, a comfy recliner. Something's got to make me want to get up out of that thing because I can just get comfortable and I don't want to move. We do that in life. Sometimes if something doesn't come along that makes us so uncomfortable in the place that we're in, then nothing changes. If something doesn't come along to push us to be good stewards of our finances, we will never be that. If something doesn't come along and push us to be good stewards and good parents to our kids, we may never be that. Pain is progress, and there's always a plan in the pain. I know I can't explain why the throat cancer's there. I can't explain why COVID-19 is out here. I can't explain why people don't get out of the hospital. I can't explain the child that wasn't ever born. I can't explain those things. But what I can tell you is there's a purpose and a plan in the pain, and here's how I know that, because I serve a God that knows everything. And everything's in his hands. I said this a few weeks ago, and I never want us to forget it. As long as we're in his hands, we're in his plans. So number one, there's a purpose in the pain. The second truth that I know for 100% fact is his presence is always in the pain. His presence is always in the pain. Man, in Psalm chapter 46, there's this statement that is made. And it, it's this, it's, He is our help, our ever-present help in time of need. Ever 
present help. There's also the promise you've heard me quote just about every week of this series that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our ever-present help in a time of need. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to get into this in a few weeks in our next series to where Paul is talking about a thorn in the flesh. He says he's got a thorn in the flesh. It's always there. It's always driving him nuts. It's, it's, it's always just, just like he's pray. It says he prayed three times and he asked the Lord to take the thorn from his flesh. And then he says, this is what the Lord said. The Lord said that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. Listen, I know in the middle of pain, nobody wants to walk through it. But here's what I also know. That you never walk through it alone. Even if nobody's there physically holding your hand, God says, I am your ever-present help in time of need. The Bible also says this, I draw close to the brokenhearted. I took, I took a lot of refuge. I took a lot of hope and, and, and power in that scripture in those times in my life. And I still do at times to where I go, man, I'm brokenhearted over this. I'm hurt by this. This is frustrating. This is difficult. This is painful. And God goes, I'm close to the brokenhearted. My presence is always there. When we reduce God's presence to only the moments that we understand, we reduce God's sovereignty. Let me explain that. When we reduce God's presence to what we only understand, most times we don't think God is present until we understand the situation because His presence brings, brings awareness and understanding. No, God's presence brings peace. God's presence brings power. Can I just be real honest? I never would have made it through these moments in my life for the past several years if it wasn't for God's presence. And here's the truth. God's presence comes through people too. There's people in my life that God speaks through that shows me and teaches me that He's there. Sometimes it's my kids. Sometimes it's my wife. Sometimes it's my parents. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's coworkers. Whatever it is, there's always people. Sometimes it's complete strangers in the middle of a store. God always does something to kind of do, my wife refers to it, or used to refer to it as a God wink, to where sometimes there's these moments where God just goes, I'm, I'm still here. I still got you. I know it's painful. I know it's frustrating. I'm producing perseverance. I'm producing great faith in you. I just need you to trust me, hear me. God's presence is always in the pain. God's presence. And maybe it's not this overwhelming. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about a goosebump God, right? Maybe you don't feel him. Maybe it's not goosebumps and crying and this overwhelming thing. Maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's peace. Maybe there's a moment that shifts in your life and switches in your mind to where you go, I can get through this. For me, what I learned was this. I had a plan in the pain because here's the truth. I don't know if I'd be pastoring. I don't know if Freddie would be here. And check this out. Through that situation, God actually connected me back with my ex-girlfriend who is now my wife. Through that situation, there's always a plan for the pain and His presence is always there. What is God speaking to you maybe through others in other situations to let you know, hey, hey guy, hey girl, hey son, hey daughter, I got you. I got you. When I was going in for those surgeries, guys, I was incredibly nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. I was 23 years old, never been through a heart surgery before, and your mind automatically goes to the worst. But I'll never forget 
The first two surgeries and the pacemaker surgery, I was the most nervous. And I'll never forget, right before it goes in, I'd say a prayer. My dad would pray with me. My mom would pray with me. And I'll never forget this. There would be a sense of peace that would overcome me, and I would go, I know that I can get through this. And that was God's way of going, I got you. I'm present in your pain. Just because it's painful doesn't mean I'm not there. While I can't answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? While I can't answer the question, why bad things are in the world, here's what I can tell you. God always has a plan, and God is always present. The truth is, is that most of the times when we try to understand that question, why do bad things happen to good people, we're trying to understand, God, why are you not being fair right now? In my situation, there's times where I feel like God's just not being fair. But you know what? Here's the truth. God may not be fair, but God's always just. In fact, Psalm chapter 103 says it like this, that we don't have to pay for our iniquities and our sins the way that we're supposed to because of Jesus. He's not fair, but He's just. Because if He was fair, you and I would have to pay the consequences and the price for the shortcomings and the sins of our life. But because He's just, God sent His Son Jesus to pay the bill, to pay the invoice, to pay the price of our sins for us. Why? Because He loves us. Never in the Bible was there ever stated that when you believe in God and because there's God, there will never be hard times and there will never be bad things. But what it does promise is that through Him and through His Spirit and through His Son, I can have a plan in the pain, I can have His presence in the pain, and I can get through it because He is a just God that loves me right where I am but entirely too much to leave me there. And that, for me, is a very promising thing. So every time that I still am reminded, every morning I wake up and I look in the mirror and I see a scar. Every morning I wake up and I'm tired because my heart rate was up during the night when I should have been sleeping. Every time I go in for a surgery or a heart uh, doctor appointment, every time I have to take that pill every day of my life, I'm reminded of the bad thing. But immediately I'm reminded of His grace. I'm reminded that He loves me enough to keep me here. The truth is, is that bad things may happen, but He sees us through because He's got a plan and He needs His presence in us to bring the plan through. I'm just here to tell you your encouragement today, your discouragement isn't the bad thing. Your encouragement is the push through in the middle of it. Your encouragement is the fact that you're going to be okay. Your encouragement is the fact that yes, it may be difficult for your family member or your friend right now, but there is something on the other side that will bring you to a place of purpose. I know it's hard. I know we can't understand it. I know it's painful. I know it's frustrating, but I know there's a God that if it's on your mind, it's in his heart and he wants to see it happen and he wants to bring something out of you and sometimes we have to be pressed for that to happen God's got a purpose for you God's got a plan for you and I promise you the plan is better than anything you could come up with my plan was not to be 36 years old with a pacemaker in my heart three kids and sometimes just not even feel like being around but here's or being being around them and, and running around and going crazy but here's what I do know that wasn't my plan but his plan is he's developing something greater he's doing it in us so what I'd love to do right now 
is because God is so just, because God is so loving, because God sent Jesus to pay the price for sin that you and I can't pay. Because of that, I want to pray because some of you in the room today are going, I need that forgiveness. I need that love. I need that grace from Jesus Christ. I need that. If that's you, I just want to pray with you real quick. Because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe with our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. And what I want to do is I want to pray over some of you as you give your life to Jesus. And I want you to hear me. It doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. But it does mean that we will be in eternal relationship with God our Father. So let's pray that together. Father, we love you. Thank you. God, there's people in the room right now that are watching this broadcast. They're watching this, this stream, either live or, or later. And God, today they're saying, I want to pray that prayer. I need that forgiveness and that grace and that mercy. And God, I just want to say thank you for believing in us enough to send your son Jesus to pay a price that we couldn't pay. Thank you for being just and not fair. Thank you for paying for something that I couldn't pay for. Today we declare that we believe that you are Jesus, that you are our Savior, that you died on a cross, and you became sin so that I didn't have to live in it. And today, God, today, Jesus, I give you my life. I submit everything I have to you, and so I pray that you forgive me of who I was, who I am, and who I'll ever try to be outside of you. Let me walk with you every day. In your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know something. You just began a new life with Jesus Christ. You began a new walk in the kingdom. You're a part of the family of God. Now all over this place, whoever's watching this, will you put your hands together and let's just thank God because somebody just walked into the family. Come on, let out a shout right where you are in your living room. Let your neighbors know somebody just entered the kingdom of God. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer and you're loving Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus, will you click the link that's going to come up in the chat below and let us know some information about you because I want to walk this out with you. I want to give you some resources. I want to pray with you. I want to talk with you. I want to help you out a little bit. Now, I want to do something a little different because here's what I know. In the midst of COVID-19, there's some difficulty understanding things and there's some, some questioning and there's some things happening. So here's what I want to do. If you're at a place to where you know somebody that's going through something difficult, or maybe you are, and you're questioning a lot of things, can I ask you to do something? Can I ask you, because right now we can't gather physically, and so I can't lay hands on you. But I believe there's something powerful that can happen in the Spirit. Would you just come, walk to your TV set, your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever you're using right now. And if you need prayer, because this is something that's hitting you right where you are, would you just put your hand on that screen right now? Because I'm going to reach my hand out. And I want my hand to cover your hand. And I just want to pray with you that God's Spirit would rest in us and give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us realize the plan. And help us know that He is always present. Come on, just reach your hand out. Put your hand on that screen. I just want to pray over you. This is the best way I can lay hands on you right now. Come on. Lord, thank you for who you are. And God, we know that life happens. And God, that there's some people out there today that are watching this that either know someone or that is someone that is dealing with something bad that's happened to them and they can't, they can't fathom it. It doesn't make sense. But here's what we know. You're still God. 
you're still good. We know that you have a plan and we know that you're present. And so right now I just pray that through this, this prayer and the symbolic nature of laying hands on people, I just pray right now, God, that the peace that surpasses all understanding would come into their life. Let your spirit enter their living room, their car, their home, their workplace, wherever they are. God, just let your spirit enter that and let them know that they don't have to understand it to trust you. And God, here's what I know. We're going to come out better than we went in. Whatever it is, we're going to come out better than we went in. And so, God, we trust you and we believe your plan. And we, we, we acknowledge your presence and we know that you are good and we speak that, that you are good no matter what. Father, we love you and we honor you in your name. Amen. Church, I love you. If you're not a part of Radiate Church, I welcome you to give us some information. Let us know a little bit about you. We'd love to have you as part of Radiate Church. I love what God's done through this series and what He's doing. We're starting a brand new series next week called Pivot, How to Thrive When Things Change Suddenly. It's going to be an amazing time as we dig deep and we look hard at how to thrive with God and how to thrive in life. I love you guys. Let's end it the way we always do. Now, let's go change the world. I love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.